0: You're listening to the Intuitively Intermittent Podcast, whether this is your first time joining me or your hundredth. Thank you for being here and being a part of this important conversation. In June 2018, I was tired of being asked by the intuitive eating groups to take my conversations about intermittent fasting elsewhere. At the same time, the conversation in the intermittent fasting community wasn't addressing the emotional and spiritual needs of my IF lifestyle. Before I knew it, the intuitively intermittent Facebook group was up and running, and I started this podcast. I am super excited to bring you the personal stories of folks who are combining intuitive eating and intermittent fasting successfully and really creating lives that bring them joy and meaning. I don't usually come on to do any sort of a pre-recording before the main part of the episode, but I wanted to do that tonight because I am really excited about what I'm about to share with you. If you have listened to any of my other episodes or even just the introduction to this one, you know that I am really passionate about helping people combine intuitive eating and intermittent fasting. Recently, I am taking part in a challenge that has inspired me to far bigger visions about the impact that I want to have in the world. And so I'm taking actions to transform the Intuitively Intermittent Facebook group into a mission-based tribe. You know, Think of it as Intuitively Intermittent 2.0. The goal of the tribe is to ensure that anyone who wants to have an intermittent fasting lifestyle in our diet obsessed world has the community, the resources, and the coaching they need to make that happen. And I know this is really important because way too many people have talked about how the emphasis on IF uh, for weight loss is having a negative impact on their relationship to this lifestyle as well as to their bodies. And they are lengthening their fasts longer than what really feels good for them. Or maybe they're changing up their foods so that um, you know they can try to lose weight more quickly. But ultimately, these changes are out of alignment with their values. And it's compromising their emotional health and probably impacting their physical health as well. And they really want a community that is safe. They need a safe space to share their wins and their challenges while focusing more time and energy on things other than food and on their body. I have a really big vision. I really want to impact lives around the world, but it all starts right here with you and I. If you aren't already a member of the group, I want you to click click the link in the show notes and request to join I am going to be providing resources and tools and coaching to help you find peace of mind and a true sense of freedom, which I know from having spoken to many of you is ultimately what you're really looking for. Um, You know, my short-term vision also includes things like virtual meetups, which we haven't tried yet, but I'm hoping to get that started soon. And my longer-term vision includes things like events and workshops and retreats so that we become a community that actually hangs out together in real life and not just one that, um, you know, circulates in the same Facebook group. So if you want to become a foundational member of this Um, intuitively intermittent Facebook group 2.0. Again, click the link in the show notes. And I really cannot wait for you and me and us to make a bigger impact in the lives of people who really want a lifestyle that supports their physical health without compromising their emotional health. I look forward to seeing you inside. Hi everyone, Andrea here, and I am with Kim Smith of Unbelievable Freedom, and I'm really excited to be chatting with her and uh, looking forward to where the conversation goes. Hi, Kim. Hi there. Thank you so much for agreeing to talk with me and my listeners. And I want to, I guess, start by getting sort of a brief Story of how you came to intermittent fasting, and then we'll get into more of the intuitive stuff. So,
1: what's the Cliff Notes version of how you came to IF? Oh boy, well, um, (laughs) had had a long struggle with weight, as many um, folks that I'm sure you've chatted with and will chat with um, share that story. But, um, my husband and I were both uh, on a, a weight loss quest and trying lots of diets when we found. Um, intermittent fasting, and specifically, I found Delay, Don't Deny. So that is the book that really um, changed the game for us. Uh, At one point, we thought we were really unique in that. And uh, as the book has become a phenomenon, and many, many, many people have changed their lives with it. It's not so unique. But yes, I found it pinned to a Pinterest board, and it um, intrigued me. And I ordered the book, joined the Facebook group, and jumped right in. And when was that? That was May of 2017. Okay. And so
0: you found IF in May 2017. And then at what point did it become more of an intuitive eating method for you? Because I imagine that it started out maybe like any other diet or something. Like, was there a transition where you realized it was going to be, you know, the lifestyle in quotes?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, there was a transition where, um, You know, uh, my slightly oppositional personality really didn't like diets. I was never that person that was excited to go on the new diet and felt um, invigorated by the structure and the rules. I never liked the rules. I always wanted to eat what I want. And uh, I had been participating in the carbohydrate addicts diet on and off for a couple of years pre-finding um, Delay, don't deny. And I liked that at least for one meal a day, I could eat what I want. And I think mm-hmm. when I read Delay, Don't Deny, um, as is true for many people, one of the immediate appeals was that no food rules part of it. And a lot mm-hmm. of that for me at the time was about I still want to eat um, my deep fried foods and I still want to eat my um, highly processed sugary foods. And I liked that that was allowed. I'm a rule mm-hmm. follower. I don't, I'm don't. not a rule lover, but I'm a rule follower when they're there. And so mm. I liked that I could do that and not be breaking any uh, rule that the book had set out. But as mm-hmm. I got um, really quickly very consistent about the clean fasting, um, I just found that I didn't want to eat the foods that I thought I was going to want to eat. And so we started increasing our whole grains and increasing our fresh vegetables and decreasing a lot of my my so-called favorites, um, not with any real strategy behind it, not with let's get this food out by X date, or let's bring more of or this or that, just in a really um, lovely, organic way. And um, by the time I was through that first summer, uh, by that fall, I really had felt this shift to where I was eating what I want, and what I was eating was um, completely of my own design. Um, I can't say I didn't keep an eye on what Jim was eating and try to, you know, emulate a few of her her foods. She was definitely a mentor and role model for me. But um, the intuitive piece was where I just started to eat what my body wanted. Um, and having been aware, I always loved intuitive eating as a concept. I just loved mm-hmm. the energy of it. It just felt gentle and wonderful. But prior to finding fasting, I struggled um, to put it into practice. It was just, it was theoretical and not practical for me until fasting came into the equation, at which point it was like, why was this so difficult? Um, Just eat, eat all these good foods and feel good. Um, But that had been a mystery prior to the fasting part of the equation.
0: So you mentioned a couple of things that I want to dig into a little bit. You mentioned um, that as you got into the the fasting, you naturally found yourself going less to those foods that you, you know, your favorite foods that you would have thought you would wanted to eat. And you found yourself gravitating more towards the whole grains and, you know, the, the healthier in quotes options. Like how did you, what did that? feel like in your body that you knew that that's what you needed? Like I realize it might be hard to put into words, or at least I think I would have a hard time putting it into words, but like, I'm wondering like how that was manifesting for you. Does that
1: make sense? It does. It does make sense. And I, I think I can answer it. Um, Okay. In general, since I became an intermittent faster, um, I have become keenly aware of what it's like to experience deep physical contentment. Sometimes I call it deep well-being. But it's a feeling that I never had that I I cannot recall from my teens, 20s, and 30s, regardless of my weight, which was all over the spectrum from thin to obese. um, I had never felt good in a way that uh, fasting makes me feel good. And when I eat and I'm out of my fasted feeling, I want to eat in a way that's as close to as good as I feel fasting, which means I don't want to eat foods that take me out of digestive agreement. That's another phrase I use in my writing on the subject. I like to stay in agreement with my body. And I almost feel like I have developed this ability to look at foods and sort of understand them glycemically. Like hmm. people often will talk to me about fruit smoothies and fruit smoothies almost never make me feel good. Um, but they definitely make me feel terrible to break a fast with anything with a lot of pureed fruit. I actually would do better to eat a pastry um, or something that's grounded with some butter and flour than to have pure fruit breaking my fast. Now I don't test, I don't prick my finger. I can't really tell you the glycemic effect of, you know, a strawberry banana smoothie versus a ginger scone. But I know that I feel much better. If I was given only those two choices and I was coming out of 19 or 20 hours of fasting, I would feel better to eat the scone than to drink that smoothie. I can kind of feel the things that make my blood sugar rise rapidly that make me a little shaky or a little nauseated. I also can look at meals and sort of intuitively sense whether they will be filling enough, um, whether or not that is going to be too much or too little food by kind of um, taking portions and the balance on a plate. I just feel really in tune with my own body in a way that I don't need to ask other people. Well, what are you going to have, or what are you eating? I just, as long as food isn't scarce, as long as I'm not, you know, somewhere that nobody will feed me, um, I eat the right amount, you know, in my eating window every day, and I do it by no other guidelines other than myself. <laughs> hmm.
0: Do you ever? Do you feel like with uh, and i'm i'm asking this because i know that i've struggled with the dieting in the past and having sort of the the opposite reaction in the beginning of fasting where you know nothing was forbidden and so i i know i had more carbs than i do now and all that kind of stuff and i'm not saying carbs are good or bad i'm just saying like my my eating habits definitely changed in in what i'm choosing to eat but then also in the quantities and i heard you talk about the The what you're eating has changed since you've sort of settled into the intuitively intermittent kind of way, but like have you found that your um it, your amounts of food has that shifted as well, or do you feel like you
1: kind of had that sense of no right sure. amount no, yeah how has that changed? I mean, I still eat sweets you know in the in the community, there are people who are um, have strong feelings about you know abstaining from sugar and if you ever struggled with it which i absolutely did you know you should keep keep away from it and and recognize that it's it's not a good thing to have in your life but i have such a healed relationship with sugar where i mean if i if somebody came brought me half dozen cookies they baked for me i would immediately set one out to eat after dinner and put five in the freezer because the five will stay in the freezer until who knows when. They might end up freezer burned. But I also might take them out one at a time, depending on the person's baking and their level of skill. But there's just I, – I, I try not to get cocky, and I try not to make these big, bold statements. But there's just no way I would ever come down late at night and take those frozen cookies out and eat them. But in my old life, the cookies would have just screamed to me until – I ate them and ate them till I was sick and ate them till I regretted it. And then the next day regretted that they were gone because they were just an all consuming, um, part of my thoughts. And so now I can keep cookies in my house. I can keep a whole thing of dark chocolate in my house and eat one square and the other squares sit there. And when I'm, when I'm done with eating, it's gone from my thoughts. It's gone from my sort of my physiology. There's no craving or, um, physical urge to eat things once. Once my I'm just my food struggle is over.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I mean that resonates with me too. Like the the last diet I did was based on the food addiction model, and part of that was the sugar addiction concept. And I, my own experience very much aligns with yours in the sense that. it's now that I'm not fighting with it, Mm -hmm. it's not actually an issue.
1: It's, it's, it's letting go of that energy of struggle around it and surrendering to it. Yeah. And if
0: anything, like if I find myself craving something, my initial reaction is to go out and get it so that it's in the house and then it's, it becomes non-triggering anymore, right? Because it's just always available. Um, and so like, I've, I have a, uh not fully empty quart of ice cream in the freezer and it's been there for a week and a half and like it used to be that the, the quart was gone in a couple of days, you know? <laughs> this is how so. people who
1: are born intuitive eaters have always dealt with their ice cream.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like so it's um yeah, so I, I totally get the the frozen cookies um waiting for you. <laughs> um what do you think has been like what impact has the the freedom that you found had on the rest of your life? Like, cause yes, there's the food part of it, but my experience and what I know of your experience is that when the food becomes less of an issue, other things sort of open up
1: that's, for you. And I'm, I'm curious exactly. to explore that. that. I would say that that is the central, um, theme of my story is that, uh, Letting go of a struggle with a lot of things, of which food was the biggest and most dominant, um, has given me a sense of flow in the world that feels like freedom. I struggled with, um, you know, I struggled with myself with a sense of uh, failure and incapability of various things and in life that I, paths I tried to go down that, that didn't work out, which I can now look back and think, you know, that's just what life is. That's the journey of life. But at the time I was really getting caught up in a, a story, a narrative about myself as someone, um, incapable and failing and doomed to struggle. And there's something about, um, the, the fasting came in when I was already working hard to let go of that story and rewrite it and say, well, I'm capable of this and I'm capable of that. And I was trying some new things and I was stepping out a little bit after several really tough years. Something about the fasting just turbocharged it. It was like, I started to fast. And in the initial days, I was like, my body is so capable. My body is so amazing. Look at what it can do. Look at the shift that it's making. And then, you know, uh, it was like, well, if my body's this capable and I live inside it and move around the world in it, I must be amazing and capable. And it really just created this entire shift that continues to this moment where I'm just like, uh, well, I mean, we'll probably talk about this, but I call myself the poster girl for contentment because I'm just, um, quite content in every way, in every situation, um, feel very blessed to be me, wouldn't trade places with anyone on the planet Earth. And uh, um, people who say that's remarkable from where you're coming from, I say, I know. That's why I continue to speak up and tell my story. Because if I could go from the mindset I was in, which was very self-pitying and a really very negative um, attitude toward myself to where I am now, then, then anyone can.
0: Mm. So I wanna, I definitely want to talk about the um, poster girl for contentment. Cause I know that you have a, a book out for that, but I want to, I want to get real for a second on like, you have to have bad moments, right. Mm-hmm. Or bad days. So like, I want to, I guess I want to explore what that looks like. Cause I, I feel like in the, you know, with celebrities or influencers of any sort, right. Like I feel like it's, Easy for us to see them on a pedestal of you know perfection, right? Sure. And I'm guessing that I'm guessing that Kim has bad days. <laughs> I,
1: so you know, I do have bad days, and I absolutely have had um, challenges in this process. I okay. would say that um, my my challenge moments with food are very brief because my mindset around it is that anytime I look at the scone and the smoothie and decide to have both. And I feel blacked out and, you know, over sugared and nauseated. I know that's going to wear off in a few hours. I always know the next fast is coming and that, um, that has taken the food struggle away. I look at every food related bad moment as very, very temporary. Um, Mm -hmm. Bigger struggles would be, um, look, I have, decided to step out in my life and say I'm the poster girl for contentment that really annoys a lot of people <laughs> I've uh, I've I've lost some old friends I've had to set new boundaries in um, friendships with people who are not on a mission of personal development and self-improvement who are um, still in a place that's related to where they're at in their journey and so we just don't click and align anymore that's been sad, and that's been hard. I have, uh, as of right now, I'm just about at the one-year anniversary of walking away from a job that had been uh, really important uh, in my life for several years of this process, and to kind of leave it behind pretty abruptly, to um, step out as uh, an author and an entrepreneur, and there's been some really lonely days in that, isolated, at-home, away from coworkers without a feeling of a team. Um, There's definitely self-doubt. I think anybody who's been an entrepreneur will say that you have days when you think, who am I to try to do this? Or um, what is going to happen to me if I fail at this? But, um, you know, I, I feel like it's authentic to say mindset is the saving grace of that because in my old mindset, I would get really stuck by those thoughts. And, uh, I just don't anymore. I just Mm -hmm. keep flowing. And when you have a bad day, just keep moving because the bad days will pass the, the literal and, and metaphorical cloudy days and stormy days will pass. So just keep moving. And, uh, and, all the cliches, all the self-improvement cliches, you know, be gentle with yourself. When you realize you're slipping back into old ways of thinking, when you feel a shame spiral coming on, just be gentle with yourself. You know, those old ways of thinking are rutted very deep and new ways of thinking can over overwrite those and override them. But, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm here to be my own um, little cheerleader and, and own best friend. And so, Um, I basically do the opposite. You know, when people say, what have you changed in your life? I say everything, (laughs) everything, Mm. the way that I think, um, the way that I talk to myself and about myself, um, all of my habits. uh, Just the fact that um, when I have a stressful moment, I don't eat and I do go outdoors and walk and um, talk to bumblebees, sleeping in flowers. You know, those are the total opposite of what I used to do. And so, Um, there's very little about my life now and my way of being that resembles my old way, but I'm, what I'm doing is working. So that's another thing. When you start doing something that's working, keep doing it. (laughs) Don't stop doing it. If it's working, Um, the consistency is a huge part of my story. I was always a dabbler with every um, self-improvement or, or health related habit. I would always dabble and not be consistent And then of course, not believe in it because it didn't seem to work. And consistency is really important. And I've, I've basically done a 16 hour fast every day for I'm coming up on a thousand days and next February will be a thousand days. So I'm somewhere in like the eight to 900 fast range. And it's, it's shown me the power of consistency and, and the habits that I'm not they're not where they should be. You know, I'm my meditation practice. I know it's because I continue to dabble. And when I get consistent, it will take me to another, another level.
0: Hmm. So how, how have you gotten support through all of those habit changes? Like I'm a mad, I'm I'm hoping that your husband is, Mm -hmm. you know, your, one of your cheerleaders and like, do you have, um, like uh, i guess i'll i'll speak from my personal experience for a se- second so there's context like when i first walked away from my dieting and ended up walking into intermittent fasting combining that with intuitive eating like i i think i went through a little mini depression of sorts um for a, a few months until i kind of got my feet underneath me and started to rebuild trust and i didn't I didn't feel like I had anyone behind me to support me. Like I felt like I was on my own, um, which is part of the reason the podcast came about and part of the reason that I created the Facebook group because I was, you know, trying to give myself that infrastructure. And so I'm curious um, how you got through, like, it sounds like the food part, you know, kind of took care of itself. So how have you gotten through some of those personal challenges that have come up? now that the food stuff is
1: not the primary concern. Does that make sense? Yep, yep. <laughs> I would say I have three, three layers, three concentric circles of support in this process, especially, you know, this has been a six-year journey for me. I've talked in my writing and uh, multiple places about my grandmother's death, my grandmother's uh, wish that I would find a way to enjoy my life and the quest that I've been on to do that. And so it's been a six-year journey since her death, but really the last two years have been turbocharged with the with the fasting um, part of things. But I would say my the support that I've had in this transition is um, in my in my day-to-day real life. My husband absolutely uh, is my biggest supporter. Um, he has always, as long as I've known him, seventeen years, supported every crazy notion I've had, anything I've ever said, I think this might make me happy. He says, do it. Um, Mm -hmm. And for him to uh, get involved with the fasting and for us to do this together, of course, is just a really big part of the whole story. Um, So he is my real life person. Um, In the last couple of years, the online community has been so valuable. Um, I can't say enough about how Delay Don't Deny uh, Jen herself, you know, I came to her group when it was quite small, and so she was able to engage with me in a different way than she can do with uh, a combined quarter million people in those communities now. Um, but not just Jen, but the other members, many, many people. Um, and some of them we've met in real life now, but the online daily um, support from like minded people who were going through similar things. That was um, the concentric circle around um, my husband as my daily live person in my real life. And then uh, my grandmother is uh, a spirit guide for me in this process. I deeply believe that she uh, left me with the words, enjoy your life as a a breadcrumbs, uh, as a seeds that she planted in this world to give me a clue. To start down a different road. And I feel like she's still with me and still guiding me. And she was not a weight loss focused person. In fact, when I agonized about my weight, she would say something like, Oh, I was plump and I was happy. She wasn't, (laughs) she was, she may have been plump. She was not morbidly obese as I uh, became at the height of my weight struggle. But she was always conveying to me that it was not about, packaging and it's not about how you look. She could see um, the struggle that I was going through inside and she could recognize from her vantage point of wisdom that we only have so long to live in this life in this form and we were not made to struggle. So um, she is absolutely the reason that I uh, share my story to encourage others because she was an encourager. She was my encourager and every time I have the opportunity to tell people to enjoy their life, I really feel like I'm passing that from her to them.
0: Mm. And you, um, you called her Nana. Am Graham. I remembering that? Yeah, Graham. Graham. Yep. Graham. Hmm. Um, and I, you I want to just name your husband as well. He's, yes. that's Ryan, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So, um. Graham will, you know, bless her spirit in our conversation. And Ryan, thanks for supporting Kim all these years. Um, and um, so you talked about every time you can pass along the message of, you know, enjoying your life to other people, you're sort of honoring Graham's intentions. And I'm curious, like sort of along that vein, are there are there things that you see happening in sort of the IF communities that you, you wish, you know, people could, could glimpse a little differently, like, you know, a different perspective that you can offer that, um, you know, in the context of our podcast, people will be sort of listening to it, right? (laughs) Like what, what words of wisdom would you offer for the people who are really struggling? And I don't know, how would you guide them right now?
1: Well, I think that, you know, you always have the best perspective when it's in retrospect. And so my uh, any kind of roadmap I've tried to create to encourage other people is based on retracing my own steps. And when I look at the difficulty that I had um, in my career and work life for many years, in my uh, friendships and relationships with others, in my utter inability to find Creative outlets or hobbies or um, passions of that kind. The struggles that I had, that we had in our marriage um, when we were really locked in the weight battle, and that's its own whole story. Um, And then my daily uh, struggle with my my self talk and my relationship with myself. The common thread is struggle that I was trying too hard to force things to be a certain way Mm. and my grandmother's enjoy your life thing started to slow me down and take me out of the struggle and get outside it and like literally get outside in nature and start doing mindfulness-related habits and start to practice gratitude in an intentional way. And all the things that we've all heard that we should do that took me out of struggle and, and into the present moment where there really never, there was nothing, you know, be, being in the moment is where all is well. It's, it's in the past and in some imagined future that all struggle descends on us. And so it was my grandmother's urging me to enjoy my life would those words and my burning desire to fulfill that wish for her, the, the taking it, you know, I, I had that sense of, well, I don't want to do anything for me, but I'm going to do this for Graham. But, but in trying to enjoy my life for her, I slowed myself down and stepped out of struggle. And now I see that all is well, when I don't go back into that. So when, I'm, when I've had these, um, you know, I have, have stepped up and told my story a lot. And we, And You know, we're going to talk about my book, Unbelievable Freedom, which is a memoir. But in all the places that I've told my story in the communities, in the groups, um, I see people still trying really hard to make this fasting thing work to figure out the right number of hours, to figure out to fast, to figure out the right number of hours to eat or the fewest number of hours and what foods and what foods to cut out. And what, and all I can say, because I'm not them and not living their life, is don't struggle. Don't bring the energy of struggle into your equation. You can do whatever you're going to do with the clock and the food. Those decisions are less important to me then what energy are you bringing are you struggling with this or are you doing what you can to make this easy and it's difficult to detach from struggle it's a habit it was my biggest habit of all was i was so habitually just struggle nothing was ever easy nothing mm-hmm. no, no small decision was easy everything was a struggle and when you're outside of it and you see it which is how i imagine my grandmother looking at me from her ninety-five-year-old vantage point, struggling with nothing and realizing that all I had to do was let go of that struggle and stop struggling for this to get easy—that's um, that's the best. I don't feel like I'm able to help other people troubleshoot their fasting windows or eating windows or food choices, although that's anyone can do that. Those are still choices to be made and, and troubleshooting conversations to have, but what I try to bring from my story is release the struggle and go into a place of flow. What is the opposite of struggle? That was a philosophical question I posed to the delay don't deny community a year, year and a half ago. I said, you know, my life was a struggle and now my life is the total opposite. So what is the opposite of struggle? Someone offered flow, moving like water, water doesn't struggle. It takes on the shape of whatever you pour it into. It keeps moving. And this is my um, metaphor for how to live is, you know, when you feel yourself struggling, just stop struggling. It's just like quicksand. Mm -hmm. If you're in quicksand and you kick and thrash, you're going to get caught up even more. And so whatever makes this easy. And and it's not some people's personality. Some people are like, no, I'm going to dominate this thing. I am going to unlock the puzzle and figure out the you know, they got to do it their way. I'm not the authority on how they should live. But for me, what has brought me great success in terms of what's happened with my my weight and my appearance has been letting go of the struggle.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, I mean, that resonates for me. And what you just said, like, I, I know you had reached out to me when you heard the interview that I did with Jen about how our stories are very similar. And I think that that, you know, what you just described is my philosophy as well. I would articulate it differently, but fundamentally it's the same thing. Like it's about finding the ease, um, and sort of letting everything else fall into place. And, you know, one thing that comes to mind for me, like just, just going off of, you know, I was listening to you talking about the struggle and thinking about, you know, why is it that we hold on to struggle? And like, I, um, I'm curious your thoughts on this. Like, I feel like we hold on to struggle because the the letting go of it there's more unknowns Mm -hmm. there Mm -hmm.
1: I would completely Um, agree with that I have frequently referenced uh, Gay Hendrick's work on uh, the upper limit problem Uh, the main book in which he describes that is called the big leap but he's talked about it throughout his work, but it's basically the idea that we all have an internal thermostat for happiness. We all have a sort of a hardwired belief about happiness that comes from childhood about just about how happy we feel safe being. And um, beyond that, it's incredibly uncomfortable to feel happy, healthy, and free. We've, we hit our upper limit and we really don't want to uh, rise above that mark because, you know, you, he uses lots of fabulous examples of the people who win the lottery, and then their whole life falls apart. and um, celebrities. He has a whole big thing about President Clinton and you know, this lifelong dream to become president and getting wrapped up in a sex scandal. And basically, people self-sabotaging in any number of ways that make no sense except that they are attempting to get back to their baseline level of happiness that they believe is safe and appropriate for them and their lives. And so um, I actually am not a student of his to be able to talk about all of his books. I know he has his own significant weight loss story from his early life, but I always see um, parallels when people come and say, I was fasting really well and I was eating really well and my weight was going in the direction I wanted and then something happened. And um, self-sabotage has just entered the equation. I don't even know why I'm doing this. It's like you really have to dig deep at some of those beliefs about what you deserve and and the fear that comes from from being happier than you've ever been because it's it's like going someplace you've never gone. You You don't even know what it's going to be like there. And if you start getting comfortable, what if it gets ripped out from under you like a rug? And so there is a lot of deep emotional work to be done around this. I mean, some people do it in therapy and I've, I've been in therapy years ago, but um, most of what I've done is very self-help-y in recent years. it's um, It's truly been nothing more than how can I try to enjoy my life? And one step at a time, I've done that. And in that process, I've reached a place where I've said, there is no upper limit to my health and happiness. I'm as healthy and happy this minute as I've ever been, and I hope to be healthier and happier tomorrow. And aging
0: aside, it sounds like <laughs> I have more aches and pains than I had yesterday, but damn it, I'm help- happier and healthier than I've ever been. <laughs> um, speaking for myself, my aches and pains, I don't know how <laughs> yours are. but
1: <laughs> I feel um, fantastic. So- I'm like one of the, like I said, I. if anything, I annoy people with my... <laughs> <laughs>
0: My uh, my hip is jealous of your uh, your <laughs> your contentment in the moment. Um, so I guess let's let's shift gears a little bit because um, you've talked a little bit about your unbelievable freedom book, and I know, uh, like I heard you say in a conversation, something about how you feel like you're sort of shifting the focus of your work a little bit away from your weight loss story and towards something else and so I want to talk a little bit about how that's manifesting for you right now like I know you've come out with a couple workbooks and you've got lots of aspirations so let's let's talk about that how did the work the initial workbook come to be which one was that
1: Okay, well, let me just very briefly say that you know we wrote Unbelievable Freedom because people wanted to hear our weight loss story, and so I understand why people perceive it as a weight loss book. It has a before and after picture on the cover, and the bulk of the contents are about our battle with weight, which is an interesting story that many many people have enjoyed and found inspirational. However, I wanted to um, come out of that and have more of a freedom message. The company's Unbelievable Freedom all of my, uh, my website is www.unbelievablefreedom.com. And so is my social media, Unbelievable Freedom. And so I wanted to start to explore what is freedom beyond the food piece. So the first workbook, which is called Fasting, Feasting, Freedom, um, is based on a 33-day email series that I used to um, distribute as emails. Now it's a workbook, but it's 11 days focused on Fasting based on my personal recommendations. I don't have a methodology. I have my own recommendations from my personal practice, which is delay, don't deny. 11 days focused on feasting, which is about my own journey with food. We talked about that a little bit at the beginning. And then 11 days focused on freedom. And that is what are you going to do with the reclaimed bandwidth? You've freed up this huge space in the middle of your life um, away from struggle, away from decision fatigue. And now you have uh, something to reinvest. How do you want to reinvest some of these fasting-related savings? So that, that series was popular as emails, um, but challenging to market for me as a new entrepreneur. And so I put it into a workbook so that people could just have the 33 pages bound together one day, one page per day, space to, to journal or doodle, dot grid space, And um, that book was really fun to put together. And so I decided to put my other email series into a workbook as well. And that one is as referenced, post a girl for contentment, creating an intentional contentment practice. And that's just my whimsical take on all of my daily habits to include collecting easy delights, practicing everyday rituals. There's are five habits that all start with an E, but all of it's linked together on Amazon.
0: And I'm going to, link to them in the show notes so that people can check them out. Um, So how, like, I know you've got lots of things that you're working on. I don't know how much of that is public and how much of it is, sort of reserved for future, but like, I'd love for you, whatever you're comfortable talking about, like where, where are you going with this? You've
1: got two workbooks now. What are your aspirations moving forward? Yeah. I'd love to talk about it. Uh, it's only not public in its recency. Um, and it's something that I would love, uh, to move forward promoting that unbelievable freedom, um, is going to be a company that is based on, uh, inspirational stories and personal habits. So I am looking for co-authors to collaborate with me on workbooks to expand this series. Um, all of the topics for the workbooks to come will have something to do with freedom. Um, not, none of them will be weight loss books just because that is not uh, my, my area of comfort and expertise, but there will be um, other books that involve fasting because I'm very um, well-connected here in the fasting community. And uh, the workbooks will all be slim. They will be accessible. Um, I really want to reach folks who say, I don't have time to read. I don't have time to delve into self-improvement. I have a busy life. Um, They're meant to be very quick to get into, hear a little bit from each co-author about how they changed their lives with habits and um, learn a little bit about I just think there's so much power in people's personal stories and you, you never know who it is. That's going to suggest some little way of thinking some little way of being, um, that can, can tweak things within your life.
0: How would you, like, I'm thinking about, because I was, I would say I was a self-help junkie (laughs) back in the day. Um, like I'm curious, how you I don't know how to articulate this question.
1: Um <laughs> like, I'd love for the workbooks to be um, you know, distinctly branded and recognizable as Unbelievable Freedom books, for people to to be able to say, you know, I trust this brand, I trust Unbelievable freedom as a philosophy. So when a new one comes out, it's there's trust there that If the topic resonates, I mean, if the topic is about parenting and you're not a parent, it may not be a book for you. Or if the topic is about money mindset and you feel you've got that nailed, it may not be for you. But if it's any kind of freedom-related self-improvement topic that you've got interest in, you know that it's going to be quality content and that this is a book you would like to add to your Unbelievable Freedom collection.
0: And Okay. So you kind of answered the question that I wasn't asking. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that. How, like, I, I know for me in the past, I've fallen into, you know, the black or white thinking, the all or nothing, where if I, you know, buy a book or get a workbook or whatever, like I either have to do it all the way, or I'm not going to do it at all. Like mm. I'm imagining that you would have sort of different advice for how people sort of think about this aspect of their journey. Am I right in thinking that you might advise differently? Like, how would you approach it? I mean, I am
1: such a person. Um, one, one thing that has stayed with me through all of the changes in me is that I just am a live and let live person. And if people say to me, I don't want to improve myself, I'm like, okay, you know, you do you. Um, but, I think that people have a a curiosity and when people see someone else who seems to be living their best life, to use a really corny, overused phrase, or someone who seems to be happy, healthy, or free. uh, I believe human beings are hardwired to desire freedom. I feel like freedom is a birthright um, that we all pursue. And so if you can... If a workbook, if an inexpensive, accessible, light, breezy and brief workbook can give you some thoughts, some ideas, some inspiration to change a habit, to change a way of looking, to change any micro practice um, that moves you toward freedom, then then it's, it's, uh, it's worth the risk it's worth the investment of hope it's the, or worth the investment of a few dollars and and treat the book the way that you like if you want to sit down and devour it in a sitting do it if it says it's a 33 day habit guide that's how my fasting feasting freedom book is a 33 day book you know do it and if you get to day 17 and the book gets under a pile of bills and you and two weeks later it surfaces again start back at day 1 you know don't be all or nothing with any aspect of your self-improvement. Just recognize it's all a journey. There's good learning from everything. There's great learning from the things that you mess up or botch because uh, it's really about being um, mindful. And it's the thing I love about fasting. Fast it'd be In the fasted state, if you spend a good part of your day that way, you're just a little bit more tuned in and engaged and you can catch yourself doing these things doing these small self-sabotaging behaviors, uh, deliberately shuffling your self-help workbook underneath the bills because you don't want do to <laughs> do the hard work or think about the things you don't want to think about. And um, I think being your own best monitor, when you can do it in a friendly way, when you can do it in a gentle and supportive way, it's okay to monitor yourself constantly because you're not doing it in a harsh and critical way. You just watch yourself all the time. You say, oh, I'm doing that thing again. And it's it's again being out of a struggle energy and in a flow. And how do you how
0: how would you suggest someone knows if they're ready to enter into that flow? Like, is there sort of a threshold or like a question or something that you think they could ask themselves to sort of assess readiness? Because
1: sure, um, I know that somebody in the community. I wrote prolifically in the fasting groups in the, the large delay don't deny support group in my early months that I was fasting. I wrote every single day. It was almost like, um, a micro blog there within the community. And somebody said to me, Oh, it just stuck with me when you said, is this choice I'm making honoring the person I'm trying to become? I don't even exactly remember what context I said that in, but the question I use now is, is this a contentment honoring choice? Is this a contentment honoring decision? Because, you know, going out of digestive agreement doesn't honor your contentment unless you do it with incredible intentionality. Making yourself feel lousy is not a contented thing, but eating a piece of birthday cake that might give you a small bellyache but will give you a moment of joy with your friend on their birthday, you know, you, you do things with intention, Um But you also have to ask yourself, is this a contentment honoring choice when you stay in a difficult friendship or you um, continue to show up at a job that you feel is not within your zone of genius to use Dr. Hendricks words or not, um, you know, letting you live in purpose or in congruence with the gifts that you were given to bring here. These are, these are the ways that you um, start to create that sense of flow is to just really, truly um, it's all the same. It's all different language for the same thing. Are you being self honoring? Are you being contentment honoring? Are you being, you know, future you honoring? It's just really kind of getting in this. I so buy into all the self care is not selfish. Self-focus is not selfish With these practices where I have become obsessively focused on myself, I have become happier, healthier, more productive. I've done more to serve others. Um, When I was trying to not do self care because I thought it was selfish, I was so uh, mired (laughs) and so stuck in struggle that I didn't do anything for anybody. I barely, um, you know, luckily I raised my children and they still adore me somehow. But I mean, I, I was doing what I did for them and nothing else. I was making no contribution to the world beyond um, the walls that I'm inside of because I had nothing else to give. So all of the Mm -hmm. self-focus that I've invested has paid off exponentially in what I have now to give to others.
0: And how do you, like I heard you talk earlier about how important your support network was. And I'm curious, you know, because this work that we're doing is really challenging, and not everyone is as receptive to it. And so, I'm curious how how you would advise or um, guide people to recognize people that are helping their journey or perhaps hindering them. Like, are there? Because it sounds like you lost some relationships along the way. Like how how do you know when it's when someone or a situation is holding you back, and it's time to you know, assess how it's contributing to your contentment and potentially walk away? Like, how do you make that decision?
1: This is, uh, very much, uh, tied to the intuition piece. And, you know, this starts to become a very, um, high level spiritual conversation to say, what is your intuition and what is that voice and where is it coming from? You know, sometimes I think it's my essential self. And sometimes I think it's, uh, my grandmother as a guide, but I have, um, developed this gut feeling about things that are not for me. Um, I have right to this minute, this week, I have a friendship that I have set a boundary with that I'm still wrestling with because my gut says I've done the right thing. And this other part of whether it's ego or intellect is saying, but what if, and are you being, you know, thinking that you are so self-improved that you're too good for people from your old life. But my gut says this is the right thing to move in this direction. You know, you move where you need to go and let others go. And maybe somebody who you think you're leaving behind will catch up with you or circle back around. But you have, if if your gut is gnawing at you to do something that's right for yourself and you ignore it, you're dishonoring your gut, you're dishonoring your intuition, you're dishonoring your essential self and where is that going to lead you? And so I'm truly in a place of right now of I'm going to do the things that I strongly feel are right for me and I'm going to accept the consequences of those choices. I mean right down to deciding I want to have a self-improvement uh, workbook empire and I want to build the most high quality, recognizable, wonderful, self-improvement workbooks that the world has ever seen and there are so many people that would say what are you doing but this intuition has told me this is my zone of genius this is what i'm really good at what really lights me up and i can serve myself my co-authors my company and the people who need these books by showing up and doing this so that's what i'm gonna do (laughs)
0: that's exciting stuff um I am super excited to, um, you know, share this interview with my listeners and, um, you know, is there anything you want to sort of close with like a final
1: thought to sort of wrap up the, the conversation? Well, I want to thank you for having me and, uh, I'm a fan of yours and, uh, I enjoyed- your episode, I, I, when you were on intermittent fasting stories with Jen Stevens, I listened to all of those and I enjoy them all for different reasons. But, uh, when I'm listening and I find myself nodding vigorously and somebody is using the word freedom and using it as, you know, it's an important word to me. It's an important concept to me. And you talked about freedom, um, that you're feeling and experiencing in your own life. And I think that's just important for people to hear that anyone who has found more freedom than they used to have should try to share with other people how they did that because everyone wants and needs more freedom. So thank you for sharing that through this podcast and thanks for having me here. Absolutely. It was a
0: pleasure to chat with you and I, uh, as your workbooks evolve, it'll be exciting to see them out in the world and, and uh, see where this all goes. So Thanks again. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Intuitively Intermittent podcast. If you would like to join in a community of like-minded fasters, uh, come on over to the Intuitively Intermittent Facebook group and join the conversation there. I look forward to seeing you just answer a few questions and I'll let you in the group and you can be a part of the amazing community that I'm building. Uh, And I look forward to seeing you soon.